Well, today we are going to uh, turn again to the book of Daniel, chapter 9. Now, this is a unique place in the book of Daniel. Uh, And we are actually going to um, look at the passage uh, today, maybe in general or at least introduce it. But the first 20 verses of Daniel chapter 9 are very powerful, very powerful verses of Scripture. Now, those of you that uh, are like students of the book of Daniel, right, that you're familiar with the book of Daniel, when we say the ninth chapter of Daniel, one thing comes to mind, right? The 70 weeks of Daniel, right? Daniel 9, Messianic prophecy, right? Uh, However, we really miss out tremendously on understanding the meaning of those 70 weeks when we uh, uh, undervalue the first 20 verses of, uh, of that uh, passage. It's a prayer that Daniel uh, prays. And we're actually, uh, this is a perfect set of verses to lead us to the High Holy Days, to Rosh Hashanah, because it is a tremendous prayer of confession. Uh, and of uh, reaching out to God in a particular way. And that is what we're supposed to do during the month of Elul. We're supposed to, like, practice. We're supposed to sort of, like, let's just say, like, get in the mood uh, for the high holy days. And so a number of different things are done during the month of Elul. You know, the shofar is actually blown during the month of Elul at, at particular times in early morning services. Also, Psalm 27 is read uh, during the month of Elul all to uh, prepare our hearts for uh, Rosh Hashanah. And so Daniel chapter 9 is an excellent place for that. Now, the beginning of the chapter helps us in understanding what's going on. It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, So Daniel chapter 9 takes place very close to the end of the 70-year captivity. Cyrus is within months away of uh, being the king. And we know that Cyrus is the king that signs a decree to allow the people to return. Okay? So Daniel uh, is an old man at this time. And certainly by the standards of uh, the, uh, the time in which he lived. Uh, but he, he realizes that the 70 years are almost over. Now, how does he know that? Well, the beginning of the passage is going to tell us that. He says, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books of the number of the years, which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, for the completion of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. So this tells us, Something very important about Daniel. Daniel was aware of the Bible. And what's also interesting is that he was aware of certain passages uh, that were already known to be the Bible, that were known to be the Scriptures. Okay, And one of them here is the book of Daniel. And sure enough, in Daniel, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 25, oh, in verses uh, 10 and 11, it says, Moreover, I will take 
from them the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstone and the light of the lamp. And this whole land shall be a desolation and a horror, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. Then it will be when seventy years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, declares the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans, and I will make it an everlasting desolation. So Daniel was aware of this passage of Scripture. Then there is another one. It's in chapter 29. You're familiar with part of this section in Daniel. Jeremiah. There is no Daniel chapter 29. And if there is, bring your Bible back and get your money back because there's a problem there. Okay? Okay, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, in verses 10 and 11, it says, When 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And uh, the next verse is so good, I can't uh, just go away without it here. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with your, all your heart. Daniel was familiar with this. Now, as we'll see, as we go through these verses, we'll see that Daniel was also familiar with the book of Exodus and the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, also, uh, it's quite clear. So Daniel was familiar with the scriptures. So when we talk about Daniel, in the big scheme of things, Daniel and his setting his heart on the Lord, and, and Daniel and withstanding temptation, and being a great man of faith, he knew the word of God. So that in and of itself is a tremendous lesson for us. By his own hand, he tells us that he was familiar with the scriptures and that he believed the word of God. So here he is in exile all these years. Seventy years he is in exile. And that whole time he believes the word of God. And that there will be an end. What a great lesson that is for us. You know, in our own lives. Because, you know, life has its uh, left hooks and right jabs, doesn't it? Life uh, uh, never goes exactly uh, the way uh, we think it ought to. I don't know anyone, I don't know anyone who would say that everything has worked out absolutely perfectly uh, as predicted, you know, and as I thought when I was 12 years old, and, uh, and then when I went to college, you know, I had a plan for my life, and it all worked out just, just right, right? Nobody, all right? So no matter what you may think about the people in the pew sitting ahead of you or next to you or behind you, uh, everybody's got tourists of some sort, issues of something, regret of some kind, uh, or disappointment of some sort, all right? The important point is, look at Daniel. He believed all this time that this captivity would indeed end. And so we ourselves, in fact, what we just read in the Haftorah portion is such a wonderful reminder to us, and we read it every month, right? It's a reminder to us uh, of the fact that this is not all there is, that the captivity will indeed end. The disciples of Yeshua asked him, when will it end? 
And Yeshua said, only the Father knows, right? So he has not told us what year or exactly what time. And of course, I, uh, I harp on this a lot, but it just seems like I, a lot of people seem to know what Yeshua said he didn't know. You notice that? A lot of people seem to know what Yeshua said uh, he did not know, but what the Father has fixed by his own authority. But I'm glad that there are people that have figured that out. You know what I mean? And have, uh, have, have got it all worked, worked out exactly. Uh, he said sarcastically. All right? Uh, and, uh, and so while God said about that temporal captivity, it would be 70 years, for us what we know is, is that it will indeed end. And that we have much to look forward to, whether we see it in our world or not. Now, when Daniel realized that this time was, was close, he, uh, he prays. Now, one might think that the way he would pray would be, Lord, uh, you said 70 years. Lord, uh, uh, get us out of here. Lord, we've been here so long. Bring us back to the land, Lord. Uh, and please uh, reveal exactly when this will be uh, uh, for us so that we will know and that we can go back uh, to our land. And thank you for your faithfulness to us these 70 years. But bring us back to the land. That is not exactly the way Daniel prays. Okay, so he prays here in verse 3 this way. He actually describes his attitude and deportment of prayer. So I gave my attention to the Lord God. That in and of itself is, that's another great statement. I gave my attention to the Lord God. His attention was not on the calendar. Uh, his, uh, his attention was not exactly on how Cyrus or how is Darius going to do this? And Cyrus, how is this going to happen? How will that? His attention was on the Lord God. Now, something very interesting about this phrase, Lord God, here. This is the only time in Daniel where you have that phrase, Lord God. Uh, and he uses the, you know, yud heh vav -Hey here. And, and uh, prior to Daniel chapter 9 and verse 3, you do not see that. He uses other terminology all the way through. Most high, oftentimes. And the context of the passage and who he's speaking to defines how he addresses God. So here, he is addressing God as the covenant-keeping God. This is like an in-house prayer, you might say, you know? Uh, this is a covenant-keeping God, and he uses yud heh vav -Hey, the Lord God. So it's very interesting. Okay? And then he says, to seek him by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. So I find it interesting, you know, the word seek, seek him by prayer. Very much like we read in the 29th chapter of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah says it would be 70 years, and then he says, if you seek me, you'll find me. Okay? When we have our MSI class on Daniel, we will see many, many places in this, in this prayer that Daniel uses phrases and terms from Jeremiah and from Exodus and from Deuteronomy. It is really fascinating. Daniel was a student of the Word of God. Now, we might say, just a little side note, well, why only those books? 
Well, it could be because they were all scrolls. It wasn't like somebody had a Bible, you know what I mean? Like, you know, they had their study Bible. Daniel had, a, had a, his version or something, right? They were all scrolls, and it could simply very well be that these were the scrolls that were available uh, uh, to him. But that's another story. Anyway, so he, uh, he says here, I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ash. Okay, by prayer and supplication. The word supplication is a very interesting word in Hebrew, in the Hebrew Bible. It is the word uh, uh, tachanun. Okay? Why is that so interesting? Because the word itself means to seek out mercy. It means to seek out the mercy of God. Okay? <clears throat> now, if you were to ask a, a knowledgeable uh, person with, of the Siddur, you know, I don't like to say uh, an Orthodox Jewish person, but a person who's knowledgeable in the Siddur. When I say the word tachanun, that should ring a bell, okay? Because in the Shachari morning service, a staple of that service is a series of prayers that is called tachanun, okay? And it is uh, said right after the Amidah uh, uh, and, and before the Torah reading, okay? And, uh, and it's very interesting because the number of uh, prayers that comprise this Tachanun uh, is larger on Mondays and Thursdays because you're approaching God via the, the Torah. Uh, but they're all about uh, asking God for mercy. Asking God for, for mercy. So I just wanted to read uh, here the, um, the beginning of some of these prayers and a couple of things in particular. First of all, the very beginning of it is, is uh, this in English, in this particular English translation. He, the merciful one, is forgiving of iniquity and does not destroy, frequently withdrawing his anger, not arousing his entire rage. You, Hashem, withhold not your mercy from us. May your kindness and your truth always protect us. Save us, Hashem, our God, and gather us from among the peoples, to give thanks to your holy name and to glory in your praise. And then there's another prayer here in this section. Incline your ear, my God, and listen. Open your eyes and see our desolation and that of the city upon which your name is proclaimed. This is very similar to this prayer in, uh, in Daniel chapter 9. Very similar. Look, we beg you and have mercy on your people speedily for your name's sake. In your abundant mercy, Hashem, our God, pity, have mercy upon, save the sheep of your pasture. The next paragraph says, Please, O gracious and compassionate King, remember and look to the covenant between the parts. That's from Genesis chapter 15. The next uh, section says, O compassionate and gracious God, have mercy on us and on all your works, for there is none like you. Please, Hashem, our God, forgive our willful sins. Our Father, our King, our Rock and Redeemer, living and enduring God, uh, who is mighty in strength, generous and good to all your works. Another section. There is none like you, gracious and compassionate uh, one, Hashem our God. There is none like you, God, who is slow to anger and, and abundant in kindness and truth. Uh, let's see. Then there is another section, uh, and it's called, <laughs> uh, in English, putting down the head. 
And what it means is that in the actual service, you're sitting down when you say this. Here's a bulletin. Not all liturgy, not all the prayers in the synagogue are said while you're standing. <laughs> okay? Uh, and so you're sitting down. And what you do, everybody does, is this. You may not have a, a table. Sometimes there's a table in front of you. But it might be a pew, like, like what you have there. Or if you're just sitting in a chair, you do this. You're, you're sitting down and you put your, your arm down and you put your forehead down just like this. And you say this next prayer with this posture. Okay? And this is what it says. And David said to Gad, I am exceedingly distressed. Let us fall into Hashem's hand, for his mercies are abundant. But let me not fall into human hands. O compassionate and gracious one, I have sinned before you. Hashem, who is full of mercy, have mercy on me and accept my supplication. My supplications. The same uh, uh, phrase is right here in the book of Daniel. Okay? Uh, uh, and, and so when he says my supplication, it is my prayer for mercy. My, my begging you for mercy. All right? So it's very interesting, I think, that in the morning uh, prayers, you have tremendous similarities to the first 20 verses in uh, Daniel chapter 9. And, uh, and uh, uh, I can't say this for sure, but it would not surprise me if the inspiration of the prayers in Tachanun come from Daniel and other similar passages. Daniel chapter 9 has similarities in the book of Deuteronomy and 1 Kings and in Solomon's uh, prayer of dedication and elsewhere. But I think it's very important for us that as Daniel is coming to this realization that based on the prophecy of Jeremiah, the end is near, so to speak. The end of the captivity is near. What he does is he begs God for mercy, basically is what he does. And his deportment as, is, is as in mourning, right? Fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. This is, this is what you would uh, do when you're mourning or when you are in deep sorrow. And as we'll see, it is not about death, but it is about the sorrow of the missed opportunities of Daniel's people, our people, Israel, uh, and what has happened because of sin. And so we learn here, we could say this also, a great principle, is that when we are uh, desirous of the you know, return of the Lord or praying, uh, you know, uh, Lord, you know, come, Lord, come, Yeshua, come quickly. Or we see from world events or from the scriptures that, uh, wow, you know, it seems like um, we're living in these last days. And I don't know about you, but it, we're always living in these last days. Some last days are better than others and are worse than others. And so we should always, therefore, have an attitude like Daniel has and always be praying on behalf of ourselves and our people for repentance. Not just because, 
oh no, this is happening. We better pray this way. No, here's the bullet. Let's always pray this way because we always live in perilous times. And we're always going to live in perilous times right up until the end. All right? And every generation sees perilous times. Think about this. In 1961, was it 1961 or 1962? The Cuban Missile Crisis. When was that? 1962. Right, remember it well. Okay, I was alive, all right? Uh, some, of you, some remember it better than others, right? Uh, but the point of it is, boy, if you ever thought the end was near, now that would be eight days when you think the end was near, right? No, that the end is near. That Antichrist is right there in Moscow, uh, you know, and there you go. This is the end. This is it. Woo, missed that one, right? Okay, but you can go back, you know, before that. Certainly all throughout the 1950s and the Cold War period and, and, and during, World, obviously, during World War II, needless to say, pick your Antichrist, you know. Uh, you had like three or four to choose from there, right? Uh, and the end is near. And so, uh, you know, and uh, I could go on and on, which I am. Uh, <laughs> but even today... Today, we feel the same way because God has placed within us the sense of imminency. It's like that's part of the presence of the Ruach is a sense that history is not just going to go on and on and on, but that there is indeed this end and, and, and there is this imminency, the sense of imminency and the sense that God is preparing us. Wouldn't you agree that when you came to faith in the Messiah, there just seemed to always be now this sense of he's preparing me, he's preparing me, he's preparing me, forever preparing me, and that, and that the end is foreseeable. But it's important for us to recognize that that is a very powerful way in which to live, but not to fall off the deep end and, and uh, start calculating and, uh, you know, and doing all that kind of, of thing. But... What a great testimony we have from the Siddur that every single morning to pray these prayers. This Tachanun in the service, if you were to pray it coherently, meaning not just like ripping through it, you know what I mean, uh, uh, you know, in a few minutes, but if you were to say all the words and like dwell on them, it would take you half an hour at least every morning, uh, these prayers of supplication. And so I think that it is uh, extremely important for us uh, to get that, that this is a way that we need to pray. That uh, one is we need to pray, <laughs> right? We need to pray, right? Uh, and uh, we need to pray uh, the same way Daniel does. He is aware of his circumstances around him. He's aware of like what year it is, you know. He's aware of what the scripture says. And so what he does is he prays uh, this deep prayer of confession. Okay. Now, there's one other little thing to say, and I'm just going to mention it, and then we'll talk more about it the week after next. Okay. Uh, uh, and we'll continue there. He says in verse 4, And I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant 
and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned. Now, we will talk all about verse 4, but I just want to see we have sinned, the beginning of verse 5. We have sinned. When he prays his prayer of confession, he is not only praying for himself, he is praying on behalf of all of the Jewish people everywhere. Okay? Uh, for example, it says here um, in verse 6, We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. Okay? Uh, and then uh, a little bit farther down, uh, a little bit farther down, he also uh, again reiterates that he is um, uh, praying on behalf of all the people. And then he says, who are near and who are far away. That also is very important, and we'll talk all about that. He's not just praying for the people that he's with, but near and far away means the people from the northern kingdom of Israel who are scattered all over the place. So he's praying on behalf of all of the Jewish people, uh, uh, confessing these sins. So he sees more than just himself. So that's the only point I want to make right now. When he prays, he's not just praying about himself, but he is standing in the gap for his people, for Israel, for the Jewish people. And that, I think, is a very important lesson for us, that we stand in the gap and being a Messianic Jewish congregation, that we stand in the gap and we pray on behalf of Israel. And we pray that the eyes uh, of our people would be open. We pray that we ourselves and our people uh, would uh, confess our sins and turn, turn from our ways and seek the Lord our God. It's very important. When we say, uh, you know, they are us and we are them, we need to practice that not only by participating in the community, but in our prayer life as well. Very important. Uh, and, uh, and so we see that uh, here uh, from, uh, from Daniel. So uh, today we'll just conclude uh, with this, that as we look at the world around us and uh, we feel the, the sense, the imminency of God. Uh, uh, you know, bringing uh, history to a close. It might be now, it might be in a thousand years. I don't know. But what I do know is what God has called us to do. He has called us to demonstrate life on Messiah, to be a testimony to the world around us. And in the context of what we're talking about today, he has called us to pray. He has called us to be a people who prays, who confesses sins confessing our own sins and the sins of our people, the sins of our families, the sins of our city, the sins of our nation. We will never run out of things to pray when we pray that way. And right here in the Siddur, we have this, uh, this great uh, illustration, this great model for us in what's called Tachanun, where we pray that God would forgive our sins, and then we, we put our hand down and we pray, Lord, forgive me for my sin. And may we be people who are always confessing our sins and the sins of our, uh, our people. Uh, and uh, if we are going to be drawn closer to God, if we desire revival in our midst, if we desire a changed world, uh, this is what God has called us.
to do. Daniel does not petition Darius and show him the Bible and show him, look, 70 years are almost up, Darius. Uh, this is what you're supposed to do. And nor does he go around trying to convince everybody else that uh, these 70 years are up. No, he sees it and he goes directly uh, to God in his prayer. May we do so and may we see changed lives and a changed world. Let's pray. Lord uh, God, we certainly confess our sins as a community of, of uh, Lord, uh, uh, of being of the flesh and, and, uh, and of not seeking you all the time, and uh, Lord, and of perhaps missing opportunities uh, for blessing and, and serving. Lord, we do confess our sins. And Lord, as we approach Rosh Hashanah, Lord, certainly uh, as we look forward to hearing the sound of that shofar, Lord, I pray, God, that you would soften our hearts and turn that soil over, that we might take a good look at ourselves for uh, sins that we don't even realize, but convict us of it, Lord, so that we can have healing, Lord, and we can be strengthened in God. May we have the same kind of conviction as Daniel, who by his deportment mourned over his sins and the sins of his people, Lord. And Lord God, we do offer up our supplication to you. But God, we thank you that we know that we do have your mercy. We do know that sins are forgiven because we are living in the days of Yeshua. We are living in this in-between time when we know that the Messiah has come and, and that you have indeed received us, yet we don't see its complete manifestation in our own lives and in this world. So we continue to, to confess those sins while at the very same time knowing that the Messiah has come and our sins are forgiven. Lord, may we come to you with that heart of confession and with the assurance of salvation in Messiah Yeshua, Lord. And so, God, we do indeed, uh, we do indeed thank you, Lord. Lord, we know that John in the Brit Hadashah reminded us, uh, he who says he has no sin is a liar. And that even we, as Messiah followers, sin. And Lord, we thank you that your word promises that if we confess our sins, you are full of grace, Lord. You are faithful and full of grace to forgive us and to cleanse us from our iniquities, Lord. And so, God, we pray, God, that we would be that kind of people who are always drawing closer to you in that way, Lord. And we thank you, God, for this testimony of this man of God, Daniel, who knew the word, who, understand, who understood his circumstances, and it drove him to you to pray. Lord, and we thank you, and may we do so as well. We pray in Messiah's name.